0: Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson.
1: So I don't know if I've ever told you about this, but when I was coaching high school football back in Michigan, um, I had this one kid this one year on the team who is this outspoken Christian.
2: No, I don't even know this You don't even know what I'm going to tell you.
1: Actually, I'm pretty sure his dad was a pastor. But here's what happened. At the same time, he was the laziest, Hmm. most apathetic. And I remember I confronted him one day Hmm. about that. Because, you know, I'm like, dude, you know, you, you show up late. You don't care. You don't work. I said to him, I literally said these words. I said, don't tell anybody you're a Christian. What? That's what I said. Now, I didn't mean it exactly as it came out, but what I meant is if you're going to call yourself a Christian and you're going to be a lazy, I don't care, you are not representing the heart of God. Apathy, a mindset about I don't really care about my life and my actions and even how I play or how I work is not the heart of God. And so we're going to talk about that today. We've got Uche Anazar, in the in the studio with us, first time ever on Family Life Today. Welcome to Family Life
3: Today. Thanks for having me on. This is great.
1: And you're sitting over there smiling because you've written a book called Overcoming Apathy. I don't know if I've ever read a book about apathy, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, your subtitle is perfect. It's Gospel Hope for yeah. Those Who Struggle to
2: Care. I'm thinking of the parents that are listening they're thinking. Dave just described my child. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't care. And and we're it's it's not an easy thing to deal with, but also even to live
1: with. Mm-hmm. So you're a professor of theology out at Biola. Yep. Ph.D. from Wheaton. Mm-hmm. You are a schooled, intelligent man. Schooled. <laughs> yeah, schooled. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and a husband and a dad, three kids. Yeah. Of all the things to write about, you know, you're thinking a, a professor of theology at a the seminary level is going to write about theology. You write about apathy. Mm. Who cares? Why would you write about that?
3: Even though I'm a professor, I'm a human. Imagine that, you know, and uh, <laughs> I'm a Christian as well. And, and I have a desire to actually live a Christian life that's honoring to the Lord. And I questioned, you know, really early early in my Christian life why I didn't feel as passionate about things that I knew I should have been passionate about. So as a brand new Christian, I got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, my first day on campus, you know, my university campus, I saw the Crusade booth, and I got plugged in, and I, and, I, and I grew a ton. But really early on, I started to notice that, like, there were several people around me that seemed to be more fully committed to the things that, you know, Crusader is all about, you know, evangelism, discipleship, yeah. reaching the world. And wind, build wind, build, send. send. Yeah. Wind, build, build, train, send. Yeah. All those things, right? Exactly. And I knew they were all good things, and I was committed to them intellectually and even committed to them in terms of my will. My will was committed to it, but my passions weren't as strong.
2: So you're kind of comparing yourself to other people around you, yeah. wondering, hmm.
3: What's the deal with me in, in particular?
1: So you, you remember this from... How long ago was that?
3: This was, I was probably 19, 20 years old.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. felt that early in your Christian walk.
3: Mm-hmm. And you know, I had some of the, you know, typical, brand new Christian zeal for God stuff. You know, I was, I was always into Scripture. I, I went out and shared my faith regularly. But a lot of this was just me knowing what was good and what was right, and me wanting to honor the Lord and pursue what was good and right. And so, it wasn't that I was. Not doing anything. It was just more of an issue of why does my heart sort of like lag behind my actions, so to speak. And is it
2: personality though, Uche, or is it? You're saying it's more than yeah, that. Yeah,
3: I knew it was more than that because I I was a Buffalo Bills fan and I I, I could I could get excited about the Bills <laughs> when the Bills lost four Super Bowls in a row. I was very emotional and very passionate about it. So it wasn't personality yeah. it was something a little bit more
1: so as you dove
3: into that what you what did you find out at the time I, I had no answers and so i I either just classified myself as I guess I'm just an apathetic Christian or maybe I'm a depressed Christian or something but I don't know what the deal is and so I, I just kind of put a little like a bookmark in my mind and said okay i'm going to come back to this question sometime later in my life i I, I want to answer the question of how can I be a Christian but also be apathetic Later in my life, as, as I became a theology professor, I started to interact with tons of college students, mentoring several co- college students. And, you know, while they had sort of some common issues, you know, you know, young men struggling with a variety of the typical issues and whatnot. Temptations. Temptations, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, the one thing that stood out to me that was common to all of them, or well, not all of them, most of them, was they just had a hard time caring about the things of the Spirit. Hmm. a hard time caring about the things of God. And that just struck me. Here I am at a Christian university hmm. with kids who are getting excellent Christian education. They're taking 10 Bible classes. They got chapels and, and opportunity after opportunity. And yet still they're kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm struggling to like spend time on the word or pray or do all these other sort of baseline Christian things. And so it it just struck me, I need to think about this some more, and I want to write something about this someday. So
1: you were watching young men and women experience the same thing you experienced.
3: Precisely, yeah.
1: And so it's 20-some years later, and nothing's changed. Yeah,
3: that's right.
1: So where did you go to dig this answer out?
3: I just said, okay, I want to write a book on this, and I don't know where the book's going to go. I don't know what the answers are. I'm not an expert on apathy. I'm, I'm a theologian by training. I'm not an expert on psychology or all these other kinds of things. But I, I just said, okay, I want to try my best to try to get my mind around myself. Mm-hmm. And so most of my thinking on it is just me thinking about what are the various sort of causes, what are the things that are sort of – um pulling me toward or have pulled me toward apathy. And so in the course of studying it, I I came to a number of different conclusions.
1: A lot of our listeners, me included, would be like, okay, I'm relating to a lot of what Uche is saying in terms of like the zealous fire that maybe was there early." Mm Doesn't seem to be as hot, maybe even warm to cold. Mm -hmm.
2: Or, Dave, you could even ask this question, like, I'm so much more excited to watch that new Netflix show Mm -hmm. than I am to open the Bible.
1: That's right. I think a lot of people could relate to that. And the same thing happens in our marriages. That's right. You know, we have an infatuation and newlyweds season that's just hot and heavy. That's right. (laughs) And here we are, year two, five, two. Forty years later, and we're just apathetic. Yeah,
3: that's right. Going through the So,
1: emotions, yeah. define it for us. Do you have a? I mean, how do I know if I'm the guy you're talking about?
3: I think every person, every Christian, can identify seasons in their life, whether it was a really short-lived season, like a day or two or whatever, where they felt like, yeah, I don't love God the way that I should love God. I don't really care to be in this church service. I don't really want to read my Bible. Like those kinds of things are just common to being a human, common to being a Christian. So when I talk about apathy, I'm not just talking about those sort of momentary lapses, so to speak. I'm talking about more of like a pervasive sense of just not being motivated to do the things that we know we're called to do. And so it's more of a pervasive, prolonged bout with that. Something that feels like this characterizes my orientation towards all things spiritual. That's sort of more of what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, so if I'm, again, listening and going, okay, I'm there. It's been three months, it's been three years. I would hear you and go, okay, I think I'm sort of uh, I'd be the classic definition of apathetic. Mm -hmm. Obviously the next question is, okay, how do I how do I dig out of this? Or yeah. even
2: what's the problem? Why am I feeling that? Yeah. Because I would think you had to face that Yeah, when you were in that situation in college.
3: Yeah. So there are going to be a number of things that sort of bring apathy about in our lives. And I, I don't claim to know all the causes. And I think the causes are going to be complicated and mingled together and all that kind of stuff. However, we do have a responsibility to to try to figure out, okay, so me as a unique person, what are the things that are at war in me Mm -hmm. causing me to sort of slide into this sort of blah, this meh sort of state of being, you know? When I think about my my Christian life, one of the things that stands out to me is I've struggled with doubt at various points in my Christian Mm -hmm. life. And during those those bouts with doubt, and sometimes they're, they're long bouts and they 're not necessarily intellectual doubts there are a variety of kinds of doubts but when i 'm battling with doubt, my motivation for the things of God are obviously going to going to wane right because i 'm questioning the very thing i 'm supposed to be most passionate about i 'm questioning is he out there, is he the, the exact God that I, um, I believed in? What about Jesus and the resurrection? You know, these kinds of questions, you know. And every now and again, they'll, they'll rise up in my mind, create these doubts, and then they'll have a real effect. And so I've had to reckon with my own doubts and try to identify, like, where's, where's my doubt coming from? Are these intellectual? Are they otherwise? And then deal with them. Yeah. So I, I always go back to one thing and one thing alone—the <laughs> resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes. I go back there all the time.
1: You've got to go back to the source you and do. say, "Okay, I got to deal with this, so that the fire comes back." But that's, that's exactly not right. the only
3: one. No, there's some What are others? Yeah, yeah I, I think about things like being inundated by trivial things all the time, right? So you know, mm-hmm. at every moment of every day, someone's trying to tell me that something trivial is meaningful, mm-hmm. and I can imagine that being. Inundated with meaningless things that people are telling me are so meaningful, you know like what 's the celebrity doing what 's that celebrity? like what what did Lebron James say? like all these things yeah. are kind of like you yeah, know they matter, but not really yeah and so when, t- when someone's telling me that these things are are meaningful, you should really care. What ends up happening is that over the course of time, we don 't just not care about meaningful things we, we kind of treat everything the same, right, so if everything's important nothing's important right Mm. so we
2: get numb to it after a
3: while i think we get numb by triviality yeah
1: yeah Yeah, and for some reason we put a higher value on things that really like you said aren't that significant i mean i've seen and i'd love to say i never did this but i did it too i've seen people get more passionate about fantasy football oh yeah or whatever oh yeah than they ever do about christ that's right and you can find yourself just immersed in that and so you're saying when that happens, the things that really matter often get pushed aside, yeah. and the things that don't become the thing we're zealous about.
3: Or at some point, we just kind of give up on, on all of it and say, yeah, nothing really, really matters, mm. and we become numb to everything.
2: Can that slip into depression? Like, how would you know when that apathy has gone into depression?
3: That was one of the things I try to tackle because they overlap significantly, and an apathy can be a symptom of depression, but depression doesn't necessarily are not necessarily the same thing as apathy, right? So mm. the depressed person tends to be oftentimes just like, I can't get motivated about the things that matter, or the things that don't matter, everything in between. I just cannot get motivated. Mm. Um, apathy just tends to be, in my understanding, at least as I speak about spiritual apathy, it tends to be selective. It just kind of latches on to the things that, that we value most.
1: We've talked about doubt can cause to be apathetic distractions and getting involved in things that aren't as important. Yep. I want to ask you about this. What about sin? Because I know that in my own life, I'd love to say, hey, I have a friend who, Mm -hmm. you know, but this isn't a friend. This is me. When I'm struggling with a sin, let's Mm -hmm. say pornography, or some kind of thing that's like a secret, hidden, I can walk in a church service Mm -hmm. where people arms are raised in worship of God. And I'm not saying that's the only indicator of a zealous, passionate right. walk with God. But yeah, you yeah. can yeah. you can feel something's happening. There really are ascribing worth. They're, they're fully in. Yeah. And I'm standing there like I can't feel what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us, because I've got a secret going on that nobody here knows about. Mm-hmm. Did
2: you feel like that, Dave, when you had struggled with that in the yeah, past?
1: that's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. It's like if somebody looked at me, they wouldn't know. That's right. But in terms of fervor in my heart yeah. for Jesus, it's not there. That's right. And it's, in some ways, it's because I'm not willing to repent of the sin. Is yeah. that pretty real?
3: Yeah, that seems intuitively correct, right? Yeah. So we're responsible to have our minds set on the things of the Spirit. Um, we're responsible to sort of feed the spiritual. Um, and so if we're not engaging with the spiritual, and that could be either sort of actively engaging in spiritual disciplines, things of those sorts, or if we're not actively dealing with God, rightly. If I want to maintain a zeal for God, zeal comes in relationship with the person, in real engagement with the person. And so if my engagement with the person is being stunted by sin and and really dark sin that I'm not dealing with, then I shouldn't be surprised that my heart is becoming colder and colder and colder to the things of God and to God himself.
1: Do you feel the same thing is true in a marriage?
3: Yeah, so in a marriage, if... You're going through the motions, and you're not trying to, uh, for lack of a better term, be intimate with one another. You're not you're not willing to own sin and confess sin to one another. seems like a law of the universe that the marriage is going to fade as well. I
1: mean, I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking all the things you said about how our fire goes away with our walk with God are also true in a marriage. Because it's relational. If I'm doubting she's committed, if I'm getting distracted by all That's the right. other things and I'm not putting attention to my marriage, if there's sin. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be no fire. Yeah, You're going to be that married couple that sits there and may look good in church, but you know, deep down inside, we've lost our love.
3: That's exactly right.
1: So talk to the married couple. Talk to the the Christian. Okay, I'm there. I got to get out. Mm-hmm. Where do
3: I start? We start with the recognition that our struggle with apathy is just one struggle among many other kinds of things that Christians have to struggle with. And so what do Christians do with their struggles? They, they recognize that they have a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's who God actually is. We don't want to treat apathy as if apathy is something wholly unique and wholly other. It's a sinful orientation toward God, but it's not more sinful than other sorts of things. And so, what we need to do is recognize that God is for us and that God is going to be the answer to our apathy. And that God is engaged with us even as we're kind of like I don't give a rip about God, his spirit is engaged with us and he's he's going to use a variety of ways to try to pull us out of that apathy. So the first thing we recognize is that God is for us and, and that, that we're not pulling from our own resources, we're not trying to sort of like sort of get to God. God is already with us. But then we have to like recognize that God gives us grace and that grace empowers us to actually engage in a battle. And so apathy and dealing with apathy, it's going to be a battle that's not going to be won with one knockout blow.
2: Is that how you saw it and dealt with it back in college? And even when you went on staff with crew, walk through your whole process of what happened.
3: Well, during that time, if I'm being honest, I didn't deal with it. right. So I just struggled through it and just felt a lot of, I don't know if shame is the right word, but just felt really inadequate as a staff member like my time with crew was almost entirely positive but there's that one element of just me feeling like man I just stink you know Mm. I'm just not where these people are at and so to be honest I I didn't really deal with it back then the process of dealing with it just kind of came over time And, and I wasn't in particular battling apathy like as a thing I was just trying to sort of grow in my Christian life
2: yeah so now if you have a college student that you're mentoring yeah you can see it. He's just not passionate about yeah. his walk with God. He wants to, yeah. but he's like, it. it's just not going on. Yeah. How do you coach him and mentor him?
3: I have to diagnose the issue. And typically what I'll do is I'll, I'll ask questions. And the questions are really basic questions. How are you spending your time? So how much time are you devoting to, I don't know, playing video games? Yeah. How much time are you devoting to other loves, other things that, that you really love? And then how much time are you devoting to the things of the Spirit? And they're going to say, well, you know, I'm not motivated to to do the things of the Spirit, and so that's why I'm not devoting any time to it. But I'm going to Hmm. say, well, the math is pretty simple. Hmm. If you don't do the the basic things that keep you connected to God, then you're not going to be connected to God, and then you're not going to feel your connection to God, and then you're going to grow cold in your feelings towards God. Yeah. That's apathy. Mm. And so we have to diagnose it first, but typically the diagnosis is pretty straightforward. It's people are not engaging with God, and as you don't engage with God, you go cold to God.
1: Yeah, just like in a marriage, if you're not engaging with your spouse, you can say whatever you want. I still love her. I still love him. And you you do, but if there's not that daily connection it's going to grow. Your heart's going to grow cold. That's natural. That's right. It's unnatural. I mean, a couple, we say it at the weekend, remember marriage, getaway, family life. You always drift toward isolation. That's right. You have to work to stay one. It's no different with our walk with God. I think that's right.
2: Well, it's interesting. I used to do a talk where I took a sponge that was an old crusty dry sponge and I I cut it out in the shape of a heart. And I said, This is our heart. And if we don't saturate that sponge with God, with his word, with community, with church, Mm -hmm. where we're pouring into it, our heart. And I could take a fingernail and just crust it over you. You can hear it scrape. Yes. And it gets to the point where you can't even bend the sponge anymore. Yeah. And I said, and sometimes I I used to think even when I felt like I was apathetic, I'm just going to spend some time in the word today. and, And so that was great. But it still wasn't enough, and it's that consistent pouring into, because whatever we pour into that heart is going to come out of the heart. And so I would take water and just drench it of saying, what would it look like to drench our hearts? And that sponge became so saturated that it just starts dripping out water. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, that's what I long for. But it also takes that discipline of, and even the analyzing Where am I right Mm -hmm. now? What have I been pouring into my heart? And the discipline of, and I'm going to spend time with God. I feel like this happens at the beginning when your heart's hard. You do it, and it's like, okay, I did it. But the more we do it, the Mm -hmm. more we want to do it. But it takes a little bit. In some
1: ways, it's like... At least this is what I'm thinking right now. It's like, put yourself under the fountain. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know, it's I I don't know who said it. We've all used this quote. You know, if you're far from God, guess who moved? You know, one of those kind of things. God didn't move. And I think there's somewhat truth to that. It's like, Mm -hmm. I've been under the spigot. I've been under the source of living water. And I'm just not going back there enough. And when I do, and again, it's not like a... A legalistic, I got to do my daily devo with God, but when you do meet with him and talk with him and listen through his word and listen to his spirit, it may start really small, Mm -hmm. but he starts to warm your heart up. Yeah. And the more we plug in, the warmer it gets. Not right. that it's ever going to get cold again. Right. It will. But right. it's like is today the day you need to say, okay, God, I'm coming back.
3: That's right. And yeah. I'm going
1: to start right here.
3: Yeah, and I think maybe a, a danger a younger generation might have um, over an older generation. It's, it's not that one generation does apathy and the other generation doesn't have yeah. apathy. That's right. clearly not the case. Right. However, one of the differences might be that a younger generation won't just Got it out, and if they're not feeling it, they may not be as willing to just do what they know they need to do to get out of apathy because they're not feeling it, and part of the the aim of all of life um, for a certain generation is to live authentically and so if I'm not being real hmm. or if my passion for God isn't real and I'm just kind of engaging in my quiet time because I should, then maybe I shouldn't because it's not real, yeah, but I think that's a huge mistake i I, I think if a younger generation can just latch on to this reality that a lot of times you're not going to feel stuff hmm. and that life is not driven by feelings. Feelings really do matter and your emotions toward God really do matter, but life is not driven by these emotions. Oftentimes we have to make consistent choices and the consistent choices will build the kind of feelings that we want. But oftentimes in a sort of instant generation, we, we want the feelings immediately. So if I ask a young Christian, so how was your quiet time today? And they'll say, I didn't get anything out of it. So I didn't get anything out of it. Typically means I expected an event to happen, yeah, or an experience to happen because I, I opened up the Bible. I'm like, that's just likely not going to be the case. What's going to happen is you're just kind of like laying some groundwork, foundations. You're foundations. You're, you're building an actual relationship, and relationships aren't all about these sort of highs. You have the highs, but it's not all highs. Mm. It's about building a lasting, deep, meaningful relationship that sometimes it doesn't have it's spectacular
0: The kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Interesting in mentoring a younger couple or being mentored yourself? Check out Power to Change's mentoring initiative designed to help you avoid those pitfalls we all can fall into. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or go to our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab to get started today. Until tomorrow, God's blessings.